0: Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Wellington, New Zealand, I'm Dave Wood, and joining me from Devon, England, is Dave Knott. So as we come to an end in 2019, and we're recording today literally on the last day of 2019 for me, second to last day for you, Dave. 13 hours ahead in New Zealand um, so anyway yes on this morning of New Year's Eve for me um, I'm kind of thinking about everything that Apple has introduced and launched in 2019 and kind of where things are going to be going over the next year I think for me actually I'm going to go all the way over straight into software um, and what, what's what been given to me as a developer and, and I think we can, we can bounce back and talk about the sort of hardware releases bits and bobs as well um, but for me, key highlight this year uh, was Swift UI out out of the gate straight up um, Swift UI with with, com- with combine as well to sort of help it work uh, and then yeah. com- I want to say combine that that's a bit of a pun <laughs> but combine <laughs> all of that with um, with catalyst as well and I just sort of feel like that's quite a big chunk of tech that's just landed. You know, straight in my lap as an iOS developer, I kind of feel like that's um, it's setting the tone for sort of app development over the next few years i mean there's a lot of uh a lot of situations where you can't really use swift u i yet but I can kind of see how like you know give it another couple of years and you'll just there'll there'll be an answer for that you know like swift u i is still in in very early stages
1: yeah it feels like swift one point o it does way, it?
0: it does um but in terms of what it is. Um, and what it represents in terms of, like, you know, uh, a code-based, dynamic, fluid way of writing UI. Um, I, I think it's it's brilliant. And for me, that's been been a big highlight of this year.
1: Yeah, I would have to agree, I think, because going into DubDub, I I, I was all about, well, what was Marzipan, Yeah, if you think about it? Sort of pre-June, it was all Marzipan, Marzipan, Marzipan. Um, and then... Outcomes Catalyst. Okay, fine. So that's what they've called Marzipan. And then boom, Swift UI. Yep. And I remember watching the keynote being very much thinking, oh, great. Marzipan's going to be so much, Marzipan. Catalyst is going to be so good. Uh, it's going to be great. And then they talked about Swift UI. And I was like, okay, so why have they shown us Catalyst? <laughs> um, it kind of feels like if you do Swift UI, you don't need Catalyst. But I mean, obviously, if I understand why Catalyst still has its place. Yeah. Existing iOS apps that can come over. But yeah, for me, I was just so so shell-shocked by SwiftUI. I was like, this is clearly the way to go, um, especially if you're doing anything new, yep. that I, I promptly forgot all about Catalyst.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I mean, Catalyst I see now as just sort of being, um, it's a bridging technology. You know, there's this future in like, maybe, I don't want to say when, but say four or five years' time where you can just write a purely SwiftUI-based app that can be ran on tvOS, macOS, iOS, and you don't need to care about UIKit anymore at all. You know, I can kind of see that, that that's a point you're going to be able to get to with SwiftUI. But for the moment, when you need to sort of cover some of the gaps that SwiftUI has, the next layer down is for me is UIKit. Um, and so, you know, having UIKit present on iOS and on macOS, it's a bridging technology for all of that as well. I guess the two were developed separately to some degree. Like I can kind of see that, um, you know, Catalyst was probably in the works for quite a while, Um, and the story around that could easily have been just bringing UI Kit to the Mac, you know, and going, okay, no more App Kit. This is how we're doing it. And then Swift UI is kind of to the side, maybe a little further ahead, and is is its own thing. Um, But again, it exists in this sort of like. this crossover time uh where swift ui does sit on top of ui kit and so the two are related in that sense and and that's great i'm happy we've had both of them this year for, for me it's meaning that um i'm doing a rewrite for one of my apps and that rewrite is going to be available on mac os as well as on ios
1: oh where do i go from there <laughs> <laughs> uh, you kind of stole my first pick there um <laughs> I mean, I suppose the the elephant in the room is the 16-inch MacBook Pro because I've been going on about it since, like, February. (laughs) It's, for me, less about the device itself, more about kind of a statement of Apple's intent for the future. Yep. In that they made it thicker, they improved the cooling, they listened that we all didn't like the keyboard, they listened that we didn't like not having a physical escape key. The thing is, is that they listened that's like the big takeaway for me is that they listened and they gave us this thing and it's magnificent kind of makes me feel justified that when we come on here and complain and everyone else complains and it's like it's for good reason and i I think that's not not that i want to go around being negative complaining all the time but i guess as kind of apple enthusiasts it's kind of what we have to do yeah it was a it was nice to see that kind of that attitude from apple that they listened to all of our complaints and sort of went bang 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 there you go there's your 16 inch macbook and everyone loved it yeah i thought that was great really really good
0: yeah me too it certainly feels like they've they've listened and i think it's the that side of things that is brilliant and i just kind of wish i wish they'd listened sort of sooner and and kind of done something about this a bit quicker um but i don't know how long it takes to push something through you know so uh, these things. this
1: is it isn't it it's like, if you imagine Air, Apple being like an aircraft carrier, it's like big turning circle, isn't it? Yeah. So if you want to do a 180, it's going to take a while. Even if on like, after week one of the 2016 MacBooks, you know, the reviews come out, people are like, Ooh, not sure about this, and Apple are like, damn it, you know, we need to course correct. It can take a while. Um, and in some ways, when you look at the 16-inch, you're like, well, it's not a lot different to the 15-inch. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a clone of it in some ways, just kind of, they've put it into Photoshop and dragged it slightly to make it bigger <laughs> and whacked a physical escape key on it. Yeah. But obviously it's not as it's not as simple as that. Um, and it, you know, it just goes to show they're listening and, and that's great. And I feel like we saw the beginnings of that actually almost to the back end of 2018 with the Mac mini.
0: Yes. Yeah, very much.
1: And I remember thinking at the time, like, there's hope kind yeah. of for, for the Mac and... They are listening, and they, they are doing the stuff that we keep asking them to, like the obvious stuff, like you know, let us upgrade the RAM in the Mac Mini. Yes, that's um, a big yeah, reverse big deal. course on that. Yeah, put some decent CPUs in it instead of these uh, dual core ones that they dropped to yeah. from the quads.
0: And what's happened? What's happened there? They were able to charge a bit more as well. These machines are much more capable when they're rack mounted. You know, it takes up that space that things like the Xserve used to be in. You know, many many years ago. Um, yeah. And people like me have got them on their desktop as well. So, you know, I think that's the other thing. I think they've taken these steps and then I'm pretty sure that they've had positive reinforcement. You know, it must have been a little bit, uh, it must have been a little bit worrying in terms of Apple's sort of inner psyche to kind of admit that they've sort of made a mistake with anything. And if you kind of look at how they've communicated, they've never really sort of said, oh, yeah, we, we have made a big mistake with anything like the the keyboards for example they've kind of just sort of there's the um there's the repair program you know which sort of says okay yeah we covered this if this is a problem for you um and obviously the new machine has the totally different keyboard um but i don't think they've ever really come out and sort of gone yeah all right okay we're 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 sorry about that there's been no real admission of it um so, I don't know, I guess it must have felt felt kind of concerning in some ways to sort of go, okay, we're going to do this other thing, try and course correct. Um, And I think it's probably, the the thing that I hope is good for Apple internally is that they have had um, positive feedback from what they've done. And that means that they can now kind of do this for other things as well. You know, so it's, it's not so, so scary a thing to sort of go, okay, this isn't quite right, let's go and change it this way. Um, and I feel like that's a problem that Apple have had. So, I don't know, Hope I hope that, that there's been a bit of growth there in, in terms of what goes on internally.
1: Yeah, and we've seen it with the Mac Pro as well. Of course, that's a big thing for this year as well, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, very much.
1: Yeah, it couldn't be further from the trash can. Yeah, it's, it's like a cheese grater version too. It's what the Mac Pro should have always been. Yep. But they, went off, they went off course and took a couple of wrong bets, but turned it around. Yeah. Um and there's no doubt that Mac Pro is a phenomenal computer. You know, totally not what we need. Um but for the people that need it, 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 it looks really good. Yeah. Um of course you've got all the headlines about fifty thousand dollars for a for a computer, how outrageous. But um yeah, I think the best um the best explanation I heard for it is that it's um it's expensive, but it's not overpriced for what it is. Yeah. Um for that it's type of a, hardware yeah like 28 cores yeah, you know, one and a half terabytes of ram terabytes <laughs> <laughs> of, of ram like just the ram upgrade alone was twenty-six thousand, i think on the configuration page yeah but i guess if you're making star wars that's a drop in the bucket if you think about the budget for these films if you
0: need that machine it, you probably have that budget that there, there's exactly. this point i think where, where that is the case um, it doesn't mean I, that I kind of feel a bit sad about being sort of locked out of, of ever having one. There's a there's a bit of uh, bit of sadness there for me because like the, I think it's the 2008 Mac Pro. Um, I'm not sure, I'm trying to remember and my years are going to be off now. Um, but there was a, was it, was it the 8 core that they had back then? Um, yeah, I think so. There was a particular model that i I really really wanted at the time um and it was it was within reach like not immediately within reach but it was kind of within reach you know if I, like a stretch goal yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I could sort of see myself maybe having one at some point uh whereas these machines that's, that's just not going to happen
1: yeah i can remember the mac pros being less than what i paid for this macbook pro
0: yep Yep.
1: and i include the trash can in that just because i remember thinking to myself, when I was looking at getting the five K iMac, like I, for a moment, I stopped and thought, "Well, I could get a Mac Pro because it's similar sort of money." Yeah, yeah. And just chuck my own display at it, um, but but now you just, you know, the words Mac Pro are not in not in my vocabulary anymore. <laughs> really, in terms of like what I can feasibly afford, it's just um, uh, yeah. I, w- I would like there to be a, a like a two thousand pound starting one. Yeah, even if it's like super bare bones, and you can put your own stuff in it. Uh, but I, I can't see it. We're somehow. not in that
0: space. And I, and I guess I just have to, to bear in mind, like the the Mac Mini plus um, any GPU probably gets quite close to what I would have wanted for something like that. I mean, I'd rather not have, you know, separates and cables and that sort of stuff. But if I really, really wanted to get there in that sort of price, I guess I could. So there is that. But yeah, I don't know. Anyway, the, the Mac Pro... As an as a thing that exists, so I'm glad it's there. Um, it was kind of weird for the trash can to sort of be what it was, and for them to not really do do much about it. And then they they had that big announcement. Was it two years ago, or will it be two years?
1: Um, nearly th- nearly three. Yeah. <laughs> It'll yes. Be three in April. Okay.
0: So the, so there was that big announcement um, back in 2017 that they were working on on this. And it's just really nice to sort of see that they they, they have actually delivered on that. Um, And the pro display as well. You know, The (laughs) the pro display. I I, I can't help but chuckle about the the cost of the stand. (laughs) Just, I don't get it, but I'm not the target customer, I guess, is probably the answer. That was
1: such a missed opportunity for, like, marketing. They could have just said that the screen is 6,000. Yeah and if you want the visa mount option it drops to 52.99 yeah and there would have been applause yeah was, instead they said it was 5000 and if you want the stand it's another 1000 yep
0: it's just, it's just communicated just like, badly
1: it's like come on that's like anchorage 101 sort <laughs> of yeah that's like one of the base lines of selling isn't it it
0: is and it, and it was the wrong audience for it too
1: yeah It's like the general tech press obviously lost their mind over it because $1,000 for a stand? I mean, the article writes itself, doesn't it? But you listen to people that are actually in the market for a Mac Pro, and I'm thinking of um, Alex Lindsay off of MacBreak Weekly. Yep. He was saying, actually, it's pretty good because in a lot of um, editing suites, editing bays, things like that, they're kind of already set up with the monitor arms ready to go. Yep. And when we buy reference monitors that come with the stands, whether you want them or not, it's just built into the price, we end up just stuffing them in a cupboard, and then we've got this cupboard full of stands (laughs) that we just don't know what to do with. We don't want to throw them out, but equally we've (laughs) we've still got to put them somewhere. Yep. So to have the option to just order the monitor, he, he thought it was quite good. Yep. It's just interesting to see someone actually, who's in the market for one, genuinely, their reaction versus, well, you know, like the tech press. Yep. Uh, I, yeah,
0: yeah I, don't, I don't know. Like I say, I think these um, these products they exist in a bracket that's just not the sort of commuting that I personally need to do. Um uh, yeah. So they're kind of unobtainable, um, in a lot of ways. But I'm glad they exist.
1: Come in. What's next for you? What's
0: next? <laughs> Ooh, let's look down the list. So, hmm, they were the biggies. Those two bits of hardware. SwiftUI and combine and catalyst they were the biggies for me this year um i think beyond that i'm kind of disappointed that there wasn't um an update to the the ipad pro in some ways but you know having got uh the 11 inch ipad pro uh just just the other month um there's an ar- I haven't spoken about that we haven't really <laughs> but i would sort of say that it is um It's a really good machine, so I can kind of see that it could go without an update this year, Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's that's part of what we can talk about, about what's coming next year. I can sort of see that an iPad Pro update uh, could be on the cards with, you know, some of the iPhone um, 11 technology and the 11 11 Pro uh, technology in terms of the cameras and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Um. So I th- Yeah, like an X version of the chip.
0: Yeah, so I could see that coming um, for the iPad Pro, you know, probably sort of Easter time next year. Um, but thinking about it, we've gone all this way and we haven't spoken about the uh, the new iPhones, about the iPhone 11. Yeah. And that's a- I don't
1: know what that says. Yeah. In general.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, it's felt like this year, and kind of increasingly for the last couple of years since the iPhone 10 for me it's felt like the iPhone has sort of reached a a peak um, in terms of like functionality, capability and and new features and that sort of thing. And that doesn't mean that there's been nothing new sort of in each of those years. It just means that I don't look forward to it in the same way. There's a a case of like, you know, when, when my phone is kind of starting to creak a little bit, I can look and I can sort of go, okay, whatever has been released sort of since, there's an upgrade for me, you know, for sure um but there's nothing certainly this year there was nothing that was released that sort of made me go okay, I've got to have that um yeah other people with other needs might argue differently about the uh the iPhone Pro um and the fact that it's got the the, the three lenses um but I just don't feel it certainly not at the price point
1: yeah it's a uh, testament i think to the just the overall maturity of the market yep Because I look back at all the iPhones I owned. I started on the iPhone 3G. Then the next one I got after that was the iPhone 4. Big upgrade was Retina screen. Yep. Then from there I went to iPhone 5, taller screen. (laughs) Then I went to iPhone 6, bigger screen. Then I went to iPhone 10, edge-to-edge screen. And along the way, the cameras got better, the things got faster. And the last few years it's been like, well, it's kind of the same... Cameras are a bit better but then they always are. Yeah. But the camera on the ten is good enough for me. Don't get me wrong, I'd love a better camera, but I'm not gonna spend a thousand pounds to get it. No. Um I mean my SLR only cost me three hundred, so <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm definitely not gonna spend a thousand just to get a camera on a phone. So yeah, I I I don't know. It used to be I used to go every other year because it's kind of, I was on a contract. So every a two-year contract, when your contract's up, you get a new phone at yep. like a discounted price and on you go for the next two years. When the iPhone 6, I was out of my second year, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go sim only for a year. Mm-hmm. And then with the iPhone, which was unusual, first of all, then I went to iPhone 10 and I paid for the phone outright, yep. which I'd never done before. And I've just been sim-only on that ever since. So I feel like I've kind of come off the uh, the merry-go-round, if you like, of upgrading your phone every two years. Now I'm kind of doing it all on my terms. Yep. And I don't feel the need to do it. Because now I've got to spend a £1,000 plus to get a new phone. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to do that. Whereas before... I'd get an email from like O2 or EE or whoever I was with, and I'd be like, oh, I can get the new iPhone for £37 a month. Yeah, go on then. Um,
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a very different proposition. Yeah. When you're buying outright, you tend to sort of, you know, you behave like you've, you've just described, or certainly I do, um, where that, that next upgrade, it's, it's a big deal, and you plan for it to last a bit longer than that two years in, in one way or another. You know, I say yeah. one way or another because one of the one of the considerations I have is that uh, my wife usually gets my phone um, when I upgrade. So there is a point yeah. where you know, like if I time it somewhere between two to three years, then there's still a bit of life in that phone. Um, yep. Whereas if you leave it much longer than that, then it's not so good a deal for her. Um, yeah.
1: Well, Heather's on my iPhone six. Yeah. And she has been since I had my ten, near just over two years now. Yeah. So, on that basis, I guess she's probably going to inform when I upgrade my phone. Yes. Like when the six, you know, finally bites the dust, she'll get my ten, and then I'll go and get a new one. Yeah. But that could be another year or, or two. Yeah. I can see myself maybe wanting one in September because I think we're due a bit of a change.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um,
1: Yeah, different kind of industrial design, probably more features that are getting ready for the AR glasses but are going to be in the iPhone anyway and probably won't be used that much, but (laughs) it lets us developers play with all the tech and Apple get used to building it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe September. And that'll be about the three year mark. By the time I actually end up getting it, probably in October, November, December time. Yeah. That'll be three years. So
0: So that that then puts you on an upgrade cycle that's associated with the the design changing, you know, fundamentally changing in one way or another.
1: Yes. And and Apple's let that slip as well, haven't they, to three years now? Yeah. Because it used to be every other year, and that was always the year that my contract was up and I'd get the new shiny.
0: Yep. So you had that And of
1: course when it was my year on the six, so I got the six, then roll forward two years and it's like, Oh, it's the seven. And it really wasn't a lot different. No. And I think that kind of was like, well, I don't really want to then. And there's all these rumours of this 2017 iPhone X. And I was like, well, I've got to wait for that. And of course, I did, and glad I did. Um, and now, kind of, the penny's dropped that it's every three years you're going to get something new and shiny. Then I, I guess I'll just do that.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's much much yeah. closer to a laptop um, upgrade cycle now in some ways. Um, yeah. And you know, that's that's the price point it's at. I guess it's kind of dictating that as well to some degree i'm i'm unhappy about that in terms of uh i sort of feel like there's no the 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 entry level doesn't feel very friendly to me now you know like if you wanted to sort of come in and and, um it just come into the platform and kind of do that reasonably cheaply the entry level now is is rather than it being um a new phone you've got to choose something that's older and that doesn't really feel friendly to me after a point
1: uh that might change though I hope um, so, but with an s e two
0: yeah, yeah, um, maybe
1: at the same time as the iPad pro
0: yeah, that could be quite cool. that could be an Easter sort of release kind of time um, yeah. I, I hope so. I mean, part of me is actually a little bit sad that they've not got something at the uh at the old sort of five s iphone s e kind of size in some ways that's that's still in the store now. Uh, not that I like developing for it to be honest I'm quite no. <laughs> quite glad to leave the really <laughs> tiny screen behind um, but size wise it suits a lot of people for a lot of, a lot of different users um, so I kind of wish there was something in that size as well but you know maybe we'll get that in terms of like uh, maybe there's something there for something that's a bit more edge to edge in the smaller size at some point. But I, I don't really see them kind of going smaller than the iPhone 6, 7 kind of size.
1: No, that feels like the baseline now, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh,
0: and I don't know, mm. there's a bit of me that's a bit sceptical that they would ever kind of shrink the uh, the edge-to-edge to fit that form factor um, at this stage in the cycle. That sort of feels a bit like, would they really bother? Uh but I'd like to see yeah. it, I guess. That's a bit of wish casting, but I'd love to see something in that kind of space.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: So anyway, new phones this year. It's not a washout, but it's just not substantially big a big enough difference for me to really rave about it.
1: Um, yeah, I think I'm more interested to see what on earth is going to happen with ARM chips in a Mac.
0: Yeah. Because I feel like we're
1: entering... We're entering the year. <laughs> whether it's the year we get told about it, or whether it's the year we actually see it, I don't know.
0: I think we're just going to see it, dear. Yeah, yeah, I do.
1: Ooh, okay. Um, I was going to say it's probably the year at Dub Dub where we get the talk, mm-hmm. and then uh, the next, however many months, kind of Intel begin to fade out, maybe on just a certain range of the Mac line. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe macbook air slash Macbook twelve inch that doesn't exist anymore, but makes a
0: comeback yeah so i I agree, I think it's at that end. I think that that is the machine that gets it first, assuming that you know arm chips is the future of the Mac and actually, I'm not sure it is I, I sort of feel like it is for certain Macs, but I'm not sure that it's an all out replacement across the board, at least not yet um So, I I kind of feel like by the time we get there, it's not going to matter as developers. But I should probably clarify what I mean by that. Go on then. Okay, so my my vision for this is a case of if you are distributing your app through uh, the Mac App Store, and if you've compiled with BitCode, then no problem. Basically, you don't need to worry about the new chips. You don't need to recompile anything because the bitcode's over on Apple's side and they can you know, spit out the uh, the ARM-enabled version from that. Uh, and so that's where uh, like, I could see it just being a ta-da, it's here um, because there's, there's this whole sort of potential route that, you know existing software can just sort of be there for it and, and you know on day one it would still be a bit of a mess because there'd be a whole load of stuff that's not in that space um, or a whole load of open source stuff and other bits and bobs that people need to sort of rejig to make work on the device um, but i can kind of see that there might be this world where where apple kind of actually just release it fairly quickly without needing to sort of give everybody a major heads up because it's not necessarily a major platform shift it's just a and we have this as well, and in order to put software on this as well, these are the terms and conditions you need to be, either be you know, recompiling for, for that processor with this latest version of Xcode if you're outside of the App Store, or if you've ticked all these boxes perfectly with the App Store, you're good to go. And I, I could kind of see yeah. see something like that happening.
1: Yeah, that sounds totally reasonable. I can see there being almost like a story when they launch it, saying that you know we we've asked our user base, you know, that our customers for the MacBook Air, ninety five percent of them use either the apps that come with it, yep. or any new apps they add come from the Mac App Store, yep. And I think we can say, and for those customers, we're going to give them, you know. The latest innovation from Apple with our A14 whatever chip. Yep. Because um, it gives all day battery life, great performance. And for those customers that need X, Y, and Z, here's the 13 inch MacBook Pro with Intel.
0: Yep. Yep. And and, and so I, I can see it just not mattering, basically, in terms of like which chip you get. You know, as long as you're running stuff from the App Store you're good to go. And then if you're running stuff outside of the app store, well, it's either open source kind of stuff that developers use, and in which case, you know, that'll be catered. I guess they can still notarize, can't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so I don't see that it would be like this sort of, um, this situation that means that developers um, are locked out if they don't go through the app store. It doesn't need to be that. Um, but I think... In terms of it being as painless as possible, as easy as possible, if you're already there, then I think there'll be some payoff for being in the in the App Store when these machines are released. Mm-hmm. Kind of the feeling I've got with it. I, I guess I'm coming from the idea that I sort of see, I kind of see it as being uh, just a little bit closer to iOS um, by the by the time you've got those machines as well. Um. And that might be a bit of a naive sort of look at it. I'm kind of just sort of going off. Well, it's the same sort of chips, but I guess I sort of think, well, you know, today as an iOS developer, um, I don't need to worry when there's a new iPad released. You know, my my, my stuff just works. Yeah. Um. And and that's a new chip yeah. every other year or whatever. You know, that that's a different an extended architecture or whatever happens. Um. And I don't really need to worry these days. You know, about like getting recompiled versions of the app into the App Store and all of that side of stuff. Um, so I kind of feel like whatever they do for the Mac in this sort of space is going to feel the same. Um,
1: it, it, it does feel like that this could be really good for the Mac because in a lot of ways, a little part of me thinks when a new MacBook Pro comes out and they rave about how fast it is and it's like, well, you've just bought a chip from Intel. Yeah. Like, you don't really deserve any credit for buying a chip from Intel. <laughs> um, but, but at least when, you know, we've got actual Apple processors in the Macs and someone says to me, well, why should I buy a Mac? And it's like, well, this is why, because it's a completely different kettle of fish to the rest of the Wintel boxes that are out there. Yep, This is Apple-designed software, Apple-designed hardware. And you say Apple make their own hardware. It's like, well, yes, they do. But then when you're just buying a chip from Intel, it's no real you haven't got an awful lot of competitive advantage to the other manufacturers other than the software. But when you've got these chips that Apple make, and they can be really, really good at doing certain tasks that just Intel chips are not good at, like uh, H.264 video encoding or something like that, um, it feels like they can carve out these really neat competitive advantages, which makes me think, could it end up in the higher-end stuff eventually? Probably.
0: Yeah, potentially. Probably it could. Yep so um, but, i don't
1: know i kind of feel like at risk here i've just been and bought this 16 inch macbook pro with an i9 cpu in it and there is there is a possibility that in june it could be like there's arm versions of that it's a very slim chance at this point i know but even just roll the clock forward two years yep um
0: yeah the, the, the longer they exist very different the, the longer they exist the more likely that's going to be as well i think you know the more once we have a machine that apple has released into that space it's probably going to be a macbook air type of machine to begin with i think uh, the longer they've got that in in the wild and they've kind of gained that experience and everything else there as well yeah you know, the more likely it's going to be that a macbook pro uh, is built that kind of runs those chips as well you could sort of see it coming to to the 13 inch You know, pretty quickly. It's right next door, and then 13-inch leverages a lot of the same sort of benefits as as the MacBook Air um, would have from it, just with more cores, a faster chip, or something like that. Um, And then once they're there, yeah, what does it look like to then bring that to the to the bigger MacBook Pros? Uh, I think you're safe in terms of sort of feeling like you're. You're going to regret your purchase or something come June. I think you're safe from that with the, uh, the current 16-inch. You're probably safe from that for, for quite a while.
1: Uh, yeah. I feel like the timing's kind of right in a way because <clears throat> I was thinking about it the other day, like how long do I really want to keep this 16-inch? Do I want to go the full 10 years like I did with my last one? And I think probably that's just a bad idea. Yes. Because the last few years are never good years. <laughs> um, so it could be that the timing's perfect. And that by the time I've come to three, four years with this one, and I'm thinking it'd be nice to have something new, it might be just the right time for some kind of arm version. Um, yeah. Yeah. You never know, but it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. And I, I just can't wait to see, cause it's like the old joke at the minute that for single core stuff an iPhone 11 pro is faster than most MacBook pros. Yes. Uh, in like Geekbench and stuff like that. Um, but I always think, yeah, I know, but that's running on iOS, and you've got Mac, Mac OS running on Intel, and and yeah, it, it's not a fair comparison, perhaps. No, but when there is an ARM Mac, and you can really compare them, you can compare ARM Macs to Intel Macs. It's going to be, um, I think, we could be in for a shock. Yeah, as to how fast these things really can be, and then what insane battery life they can get. Um, yeah, I just I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. It could be a could be a big year, I think. Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button, that'll help us reach and more like-minded people. Um, also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFRpodcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you?
0: You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads. That's RoboHeads spelt with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com. Again, that's Robohead spelt with a Z. How about you, Dave?
1: You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore DaveKnot.co.